Praise God. Thank you, Paul. And uh, good morning, downtown Pearlside. It's great to see you all here. Whether you are a guest here, we welcome you into God's presence, into God's house. And uh, definitely see a lot of familiar faces. Welcome back. Glad you're continuing to press into what God has for us. And, and that's a life that lives beyond. Not a life that settles. Not a life that is confined to what we are comfortable with. But when we talk about living beyond, it's a life that lives beyond ourselves. And as I said last week when I was already previewing this week starting a new series, we just came from two months of this series of uh, being uh, created to live great, greatness inside of each and every one of us. And I, I just want to repeat what I said last week. The reason why God wants us to be great is not so that we can feel good about ourselves and look at how great we are, but it's to have a great impact on the lives, the people around us, and in the world around us as well. And so in this month, in November, we're going to look a little bit more in detail how do we do that. How do we activate the God-given gifts and the faith within our life to live beyond ourselves? And now, this is not just wishful thinking, but this is Scripture. And we see Jesus in the book of John, as we turn there together, John 15. This is going to be our opening text this morning. We're going to look at verse 16 through 17. Jesus speaking to his disciples 2,000 years ago, I want us to hear these words echoed through that time into this place right now at this moment into each and every one of our ears and into our hearts. Okay, hear Jesus speaking this to your life right now. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Praise God. Some of us, we feel like we don't belong here. Some of us, we feel like when we talk about living beyond ourselves, we can barely live with ourselves. And we're wondering, how do I live beyond myself when I don't even like me? You know, I don't even know what God has for me. Well, the good news is you don't need to know. The fact that you are here is already a sign that God's brought you here. Yes, I know like some of us were like Paul this morning and had to drag ourselves in here. But who was the one that gave you breath? and woke you up another day to be able to wake up, get out of bed, the strength, and then, I don't know, some of you might have caught public transportation, but who was the one that had gas in that vehicle, whether it's your personal vehicle or public transportation, or gave you strength in your legs to pedal the bicycle here? That's God. And the fact that we are here, it signifies and it reminds us that we did not choose him, he chose us. Praise God. That's a good thing, because some of us, we don't even know what to choose this morning to wear to church. We have a hard time choosing, should I wear this shirt or that shirt, this blouse or that blouse? Some of us, we had a hard time choosing, maybe even right now, you're trying to choose where you're going to eat for brunch after service, all right? Don't choose that right now. Choose to listen in. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. You did not choose me, but I chose you for what? and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. So look at your neighbor and say, go and bear fruit. Praise God. So you did not choose me, Jesus is saying, but he's saying each and every one of you, he chose you to live a life of fruitfulness, a life of pro productivity, a life that lives beyond yourself. And I'm going to break that down in a moment. But this is what's exciting. Not just any kind of fruit. 
It's a supernatural fruit. This fruit, Jesus says, fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in, the, in my name, the Father will give you in Jesus' name. This is my command, love each other, living beyond ourselves. So let's go ahead and bow our heads as we open up in prayer to ask God to bless our hearts as we receive his word. Father God, we thank you for your glorious word. We thank you for your living word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the breath that your word gives us inside our lungs. As we breathe in your word, we thank you, God, that we breathe out faith. And we pray for this faith to transform us, Lord God, into receiving the life that lives beyond ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So as we begin this series, we start with this basic premise that we are all meant to live beyond ourselves. This is not just for the select few. This is not just for those of us who are extroverts. This is not just for those of us who have high ambition in life. I got to do something with my life, so I'm going to live beyond myself. But as a Christian, this is a natural byproduct that should come forth from our lives as we want to desire in faith, to live beyond ourselves. And what Jesus is saying, as he's saying, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And chose you for what? To bear fruit. So this fruit is, the reason why I say it is to live beyond yourself. I'm comparing fruit to that. Because let's look at a tree, okay? I've never seen a tree with its branches as it starts bearing fruit. So whatever tree you like, my wife is thinking about a mango tree right now. She loves mangoes. Um, but whatever you like, maybe some of you just love a good apple, classic apple. Can't go wrong with that, right? Apple a day. So, you know, the tree's like, yeah, that's true. Apple a day keeps the doctor away. I want to be a healthy tree. You know, as the, as the apples start coming out and the branches, that looks so good. I want to taste it. You know, you, you, don't, you never see a tree eat its own fruit. Okay, if you have ever seen that, let me know. I got to see it myself. Because I know on this earth, there's never been a tree that's like, man, this fruit looks so good. I'm tired of people eating my fruit. So it's time for me to do me and live my life and enjoy me. I'm going to eat my own fruit. Mmm, mm, mm. Delicious. I'm so good at this. I'm going to make more. I'm going to eat more. <laughs> no, a fruit every season when it's a time for harvest is sprouting fruit. Every tree is sprouting fruit that bears fruit for other people to enjoy. And that's why Jesus said that this is love one another, love each other. It's the fruit in our lives that people come around and they taste and see that the Lord is good. Just like, man, that tree, that's a good tree. We need to make sure we take care of that tree because every time I pick fruit from that tree, the fruit, it's so good, it's so juicy, it's so delicious. Is that true about people who get around our lives? And so when we talk about living beyond ourselves, we realize that there's this calling that Jesus chooses us. He calls us to live a life of fruitfulness. The fruitfulness is not just so that our 401k looks good. The fruitfulness is not just so we look at our kids, for those of us who have children, and we can say, man, I'm so proud of my child, you know, getting 4.0 in school, and we feel so fruitful. We feel so productive. We're getting raises at work. It's not just for us to pat ourselves on the back and be content with ourselves. But this fruitfulness, God is talking about, is for others to be impacted by, to be loved by. 
And what I love is this fruit that lasts. It's not just ordinary fruit. It's fruit that lasts. You know, once in a while, you know, my kids are unpredictable. When we buy a little fruit, because all my kids love fruit, it's the Chinese blood in them. I don't know what it is. I'm happy, by the way, and we haven't had candy in our household for so long, you know, and, and, but Halloween, man, we got blessed left and right with candy, too much. And even our bunny got a hold of some, and now the, like, uh, I'm going to say it, our bunny's like a little crackhead now. He's always trying to, like, eat through the, the trash bag, trying to, like, find candy wrappers, and he just runs and hides and eats candy. It's not good, I know, and, and we're trying to do our best to keep it away, but we have young kids that don't know how to take care of their own candy and let candy fall to the ground, so this is a problem, but that's, a, that's beside the point. Sorry about that. So I was saying that, thank God, Halloween is only once a year where, you know, my kids get candy, because most of the time they eat nature's candy, which is fruit. They love fruit. And so once in a while, my wife, knowing that they love, in particular, for example, grapes, she buys two containers, and when we have two containers for some reason, that's when they decide not to eat fruit. It's when they, there's one container they eat a lot, and then it runs out, and then my wife has to ask for prayer because she has to go back to Costco twice in one week. You know, once in one week is a lot, right? It just sucks your life away, the parking and the people. It's just hard. It's a hard life going to Costco. And um, so she, you know, sometimes the fruit, when it's too much, it, it, it rots. And then when you eat a rotten fruit, it doesn't taste the same as fresh fruit. And so in our lives, the question I want to ask today is, maybe some of us, we're, we're not at the point where we say, no, our life is not fruitless. That's great. I'm glad. I'm glad you can look at the fruit in your life. But this series, we're going to talk about living beyond ourselves. And week by week, we're going to talk about how do we have fruit that lasts? How do we have fruit that even when we're done here on this earth, we breathe our last breath? I did two funerals this past week on Thursday and on Friday, back to back. And it's a reminder how fragile this life is. But what I love is Jesus here is reminding us that the life we live here on this earth, we can be so fruitful to the extent that even when we're gone, the fruit remains. How do we have fruit that lasts? Well, what does this fruit look like in Galatians chapter 5? If you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, this should be the epitome of your life. It should be. Verse 22 to 26 says, but the fruit, everyone say fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's go ahead and just take a quick moment. I don't want to just gloss over this list. But let's ask ourselves, as we're looking at the Scripture, on the different fruit of the Spirit that the, that the Spirit produces in our life, when people come near us and they get a taste of our life, are they tasting joy? Are they tasting peace? Are they tasting forbearance? Are they tasting kindness? Are they tasting goodness? Are they tasting faithfulness? Are they tasting gentleness? And are they tasting self-control? But wrapped in all of that is love. Do people sense that 
when they get around our life that we are a people of love. And the love is demonstrated through all these things. But the love comes from the fruit of the Spirit. So these aren't individual fruits. These are all the byproduct of what the fruit of the Spirit contains. And when you read Scripture, this is a, you know, for theologians in here, we know this, right? When, we re- when you study Scripture, so we all can be theologians now and get better at it. When you see a but in the Bible, that means it's very important, it is imperative that you read the context right before that. Okay, so there's a but here in verse 22 when we started. So what does verse 19 to 21 say? It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. By the way, you know, I know many of us, like, you know, Hocus Pocus 1 or 2, whatever you might have watched, it's like, oh, I don't do witchcraft. I'm not, like, have a book of spells, you know, and I'm, like, waving wands around and, you know, chanting to crystals. Um, Just a little side note, drug abuse and substance abuse, that's all founded in witchcraft. The the Greek, or sorry, the, the ancient word for witchcraft is pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy. So even what, what witches used to do in, in the past is they would whip up concoctions like alcohol and different things like that so that they would lose their inhibitions and open up their soul to another world, another spirit. Okay, so, so I know like we're like, witchcraft? I don't do witchcraft. You know, and so that's just a little side note here when we look at that word and we talk about the acts of the flesh, that's substance abuse. All right, so the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, even that one, I just want to take a step back, and I know that um, online pornography is a big deal nowadays, and it's not just the men, but even the women that are affected by this. And so these things, even though you might not be active in physically participating in these things, but if you are there looking at things you're not supposed to look at spiritually, you're participating in those same acts. And then we continue on. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. So hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. That might be another day at the office for us. Right? And it's like we kind of chuckle nervously, but that, that's what it feels like. Like, I don't want to go to work because I'm surrounded. Maybe it's not you, but maybe there's uh, jealousy from someone else, but that gives you discord in your life. Oh, I hate that guy. He's so jealous of me. And then what it produces, instead of the fruit of the Spirit, it's the works of the acts of the flesh, which is uh, hatred and fits of rage. This is another thing at the workplace, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the good news, as we go back to John 15, our opening text, you know, for those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is sobering when we hear that. But we're not leaving us at that point. We're, that, that's why it continues on. But, but the fruit of the Spirit. So the moment that we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. The moment we reach out for Him, He reaches down to us. He fills us. 
And I love that because I've met different people that I've known in the past before they become Christian, and then when they become Christian, it's like a whole new person. That's the first thing that attracted me to my wife 20 years ago. Um, and, and when I say attracted, I, I don't mean like, oh, man, I'm going to marry that girl. You know, I'm going to make her my wife. No, that's not what I mean. But I, what I, it was before I had that kind of feelings for her. But when I saw her, I was like, who is that? She looks the same, same name. And I'm sure if I, if I knew her social security number and all that, it would be the same. But after she became a Christian, I knew her in high school. She got saved in college, and I met her later on in college after high school. I'm like, this is a whole different person. It's like something got a hold of her. But the good news is that something is not a thing. It's a person, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And so for every one of us, as a Christian, we're not here because of self-help that we just want to be better people. We want to be more nice and more loving and more peaceful. It's not that. It's we have a desire and a passion to be fruitful, but the fruit is of the Spirit. And so what Scripture tells us and teaches us, it's less of me and more of Him. As I decrease, He increases. So I don't have to increase my peace. Increase patience. You know, like, like uh, for those of you who watch Dragon Ball, my kids watch Dragon Ball. Ah, level 10, patience. I'm so patient. I have people skills. You know, sorry, bad reference. <laughs> it's, I need to increase the presence of God in my life. And, and here's the good news. For some of us, we're like, but I don't know where to start. So what, how do I start doing this? Well, start by using what you have. That's what's big. When we talk about being fruitful in our lives, just start with what you have. And we're going to read a lengthy uh, portion of Scripture right now, but just follow along in Matthew chapter 25. It says, again, it will be like a man. This is Jesus telling a parable to his disciples. And the reason why he says again, because he tells a number of parables back to back that is explaining a similar concept. Jesus says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So the one with two bags gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I should have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever who has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So many of us were familiar with this passage, but I just want to go over certain nuances in what Jesus is trying to say between the lines here. Sometimes we miss. Okay, for some of us, um, oftentimes we, we, we understand the, the value of, of this, this main point, using what you have. Start with what you have, right? And what's important to realize is that the one with five, and then there's the one with two and the one with one, at face value, it seems like that's not fair. How come that one guy got five? How come that one guy got two? And how come that one guy got one? And, and just so that we understand the, the amount of money we're dealing with here, I'm going to go ahead and be a little Chinese and just do some um, you know, math equations for us so that we can see what it's worth in today's value. So in the ESV and other translations, the, what we just read was the NIV. NIV breaks it down to a more understandable term for us which I like to preach from so we can understand the word. I also like to use the ESV. But the NIV we just read says bags of gold, five bags of gold, two bags of gold, one bag of gold. In the ESV, it translates to talents, like the word, I'm, how talented are you? Oh, you have a great uh, mix of talents in your life, right? But back then when Jesus said talent, it was understood it wasn't your giftings or your special abilities, Talent was a measure of money that was worth 6,000 denati. 6,000 denati is a lot. It's equivalent to 20 years of wages. 6,000 denati is equivalent to, to 20 years of wages. If you were to do the math in this modern-day economy, it'd be about $350,000 for one bag of gold that the master gave. So the one with five, if you do the math, it's about 1.7, it's $1,750,000. Okay, that's a lot of money. How many of you would be a changed person if someone came in here and said, here is $1,750,000. In fact, I am so, I'm in such a good mood, I'm not going to make you carry it, I'm just going to write you a check. And you walked away from this church with $1,750,000. But instead of giving it to you, that person gave it to your neighbor and said, you get $350,000 instead. That's basically what happened here from the five to the one. Okay, the one with the one bag got $350,000. The one with the two bag got $700,000. And then, of course, the five bag got $1.7 million. That's a lot. 
Okay, so I, I say all that not because I'm Chinese. You're like, you're just having too much fun talking about money. <laughs> it is fun. But <laughs> the reason why I say that is because let's put ourselves in the one with one bag. You, a moment ago, you had nothing. Now you have something. But we're too busy looking at the person that has more things. We're too busy looking at what? Was I in the wrong seat? I should have sat in that seat. You know, everyone check under your chair. There's a, you have the golden star. You got the grand prize. Man, maybe I have bad breath today, and that's why the master gave me one bag instead of five. Like, what is it? Well, Scripture, I love Jesus. He was very uh, clear on this. It said, according to their abilities. See, sometimes we think money will solve our problems. But for many people, actually giving them more money instead of a blessing, it becomes a curse because now they're dependent on that money. They don't know how to handle that money. And then they blow their money. And then now they're in the worst spot because they're so used to having all that money, but it's all gone than they were before. And it's not hyperbole, but this happens to a lot of people that all of a sudden win the lottery. Because if you guys have been following the news, it's 1.9 billion now. If you win the mega, super, lotto, whatever, Powerball, we don't play that in Hawaii, but um, it's, it's crazy how much you win, 1.9 billion, right? And people don't know how to deal with that. So the one, as the master's looking, the master knows what he's doing. That's how he even got all that money. And the master sees that I'm giving this one five because I know he can deal with the five, but this one with the one, I know he knows how to deal with the one, so I'm going to give him the one and then the two. And so what does that mean for us? It means we need to stop comparing what we don't have and start looking at what we do have. Oftentimes, we look at other people's situations and circumstances, and we get jealous of the fact, you know what, if I was in their shoes, I would be better off too. Not knowing that God is looking at, but what do you have right now? You know, what, what have I given you right now that you can just be content with and make it work? Because here's the good news. As you are fruitful with what you have, you will be more fruitful in the next season and then the season after that. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach here. Don't worry about the guy with five. Even the guy with two, he got two more. And then you think next time the four will become four more. And that's eight and so forth. So in our lives, we look at here time our treasure, and our talents. How are we spending our time? That's the great equalizer because every one of us, we have 24 hours in a day. And some of us, we just spend our time for ourselves, but we're not accountable and we don't realize that it's actually God that gives us our time here on this earth. And it's really like this master entrusting the five bags of gold to the, the servant. He's entrusting us with our time. So what are we doing with that time? And maybe the way we've been squandering our time or just using the time for ourselves. Remember, fruit is for other people to taste. And we've been just worried about our own lives. That's why we haven't been fruitful. For some of us, it's our talent. And maybe we don't think, you know, I'll just keep my talent for myself. Hey, by the way, we're always looking to, um, to grow this worship team, by the way. It's... The, the, the reason why you see the same people up here on stage every week is not because, you know, like, this is, I'm my mic. No one touched my mic. 
This is my drums. No one touched my drums. It's because we're looking for people with more giftings and talent in music or instruments that can be a part of the worship team. And so if you know how to play keys and you know how to, you know you can sing and not just like karaoke kind sing when everyone's drunk and comes and pats you, oh, you're so good. That's because you're all drunk. <laughs> but, but you know, people, like really, you know how to sing and you could bless the church, but you're hiding it. You're burying it. And, and maybe not just musically, that's the easy denominator, but whatever giftings you have. We were so blessed as a team this morning with our man Jevin back there. He, I just had a, a good talk with him this past week, but I said, hey, Jevin, you know, I noticed you're always on the soundboard back there. And in an ideal world, if we had more people join the sound ministry, you know, how often would you want to be back there? Because he's there every Sunday, literally, unless he's sick and you have to, like, he can't even get out of bed. That's the only time you don't see him. He's like, no, I want to be there every week. So he's spending his time for, for God's kingdom. But then this morning, he's a teacher by trade. So he teaches middle school. And uh, this morning, he gave the leadership thought that was such a blessing. Because he teaches students, he's a great communicator and teacher. And he blessed the whole pre-service team that was getting ready to serve you all with an encouraging word. And man, it was anointed, it was gifted, it was clear. Thank you, Jevin. But then as he was wiring me up, this doesn't just, you know, like George Jetson. That would be awesome. I just come in, I get my coffee in my hands, and then the, the earpiece goes on. He physically wires me up. And as he was wiring me up, you know what he was doing for me? He was praying. He was already serving me and helping me. Because I, if I did this, I have tape here. The tape would be like this. Oh, <laughs> see? That's why I don't do it. <laughs> It'd be a mess like you just experienced. <laughs> But he's praying for me as he's wiring me up. He's praying that God would fill me and focus me and speak through me. And man, he's lifting me up. He's blessing me. I'm tasting the fruit. This morning, the team is tasting the fruit. Right now, while you're seated here and you hear this sound coming forth from the speakers, you're tasting the fruit from Jevin's life. And so he's using his time, treasure, and talent for God and his kingdom because we forget sometimes. We think we're the master of me. No, he's the master. God is the master. And here's the startling thing. It's one day, because it said he was gone for a long while, what we just read. So some of us, we think, I got time to get my life right. We don't know when that is going to be. When he returns, he's going to hold each and every one of us accountable. Now, here's the good news, okay, before we start squirming in our seats. Our sins are completely forgiven by Jesus' blood. Okay, so we're, that's the first thing when we look at judgment in Scripture. There's the, the book of life that's written in the Lamb's blood. So that is not a question. It's a matter of faith. I'm trusting in Jesus for my salvation. However, it is very clear. In eternity, God will be rewarding those who have been faithfully serving here on this earth. A second type of judgment. And so when we look at this judgment, that's what the weeping and gnashing of teeth represent. It's a life of regrets. Man, I, I could have done more for you, God. I could have given more. I could have lived more for other people. That's that weeping and gnashing of teeth. But God doesn't want us to live with regrets. He wants to live with rewards. He wants to give us more, but we're the ones sitting on our hands, not doing anything with what he's given us, or we do it just for ourselves. 
And so as we close, what is, what is the, how do we flip that switch? Jesus demonstrates the mindset of living beyond. It's, it's first demonstrated through Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, okay, listen to that, united with Christ, we're going to come back to that. If any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, so it's the mindset, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. So what is that mindset? Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So here's the beautiful thing here is that many of us, maybe we look at the person next to us and they have letters next to their last name like MD, Esquire, and we're like, man, I just, you know, work retail or whatever it is. Maybe I'm just retired. But this idea, this mindset of what Jesus wants us to have, being like-minded, of one mind, having the same mindset of Jesus Christ, it's the great equalizer. It's the same for each and every one of us if we choose who, being God himself, did not consider that his, his status, but he lowered himself to the form of a servant. And so how can we live fruitful lives for others to taste and see that the Lord is good? Is we live a life deciding to serve them. But here's the thing, right? Like I said earlier, no one just gets more patience by being more patient. The world will tell you that. Amazon will try to sell you books on that, right? You go... Barnes & Noble, self-help, it's one of the biggest sections, sections and one of the uh, most popular sections in the bookstore is self-help. How do I become more loving? How do I overcome rage? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And so, John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. Okay, so let me give us some context. Remember, we opened up with John 15. We talked about how Jesus chose us. We didn't choose him. And he chose us to bear fruit. Well, the preceding verses before that, Jesus is giving us the key. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So don't raise your hand, but some of us in here, we are, are lacking in forgiveness. We're lacking in long-suffering. We're lacking in patience. We're lacking in joy right now. And maybe that's what brought us to church today. And that's good. I'm glad you're here. But the reason why we're here in church is to not just get more joy or to become more loving. It's to abide in Him. So this past week, um, you know, it's like, I hate, I hate like... Um, when, I, when I've already overcome certain things in my life and I feel like, okay, we're good. My wife and I, we're good. And then sometimes when I stop abiding in Jesus, I realize that the fruits of the, the acts of the flesh start coming out. 
And so I was short with my wife this past week, and I have no excuses, but I've been under a lot of stress with things outside the church as well. And so when in our conversations, it hasn't been healthy. And so my wife confronted me. She let me know these things. And I didn't say, hey, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and then become more loving. I'm sorry. No, I said, honey, I'm just going to get, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to spend time with God. So it wasn't me being more gentle with the way I spoke with her. It was me deciding and realizing I need to abide more in Jesus. So whatever that area in your life that is lacking, that's actually not the source of your issue. It's an abiding issue. So whatever it may be, maybe you're lacking patience today and you feel like you've been so impatient in the road, so impatient with your people around you, especially the ones that know you the best, and you've been really impatient with them. It's not getting more patience. It's deciding I need to abide more in Jesus. I'm going to read it one more time. I abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So there's no fruit coming forth in your life, whatever that fruit looks like. And we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. It's because we haven't been abiding in Him. So let's all close, uh, close our eyes and bow our heads as we... I believe we already know what area that is, but that's supposed to bring us back to Jesus and abiding in Jesus. So Father God, first of all, we repent for doing it without you. We thought we could love better without you. We thought we could be more peaceful without you, but that's actually caused more frustration within our lives, and that's caused more conflict within our lives. And so we are sorry, God, for doing it within our own strength. And we come back to you. Repentance is, is turning back to you. And so we turn back to you and we decide to abide in you. Not just when we need you, but we choose to abide in you moment by moment. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are working out a greater life of fruitfulness through each and every one of us. So that when people get near us, we pray, God, that they will taste and see that the Lord is good. So we thank you, Lord God, for being so patient with us, being so loving with us, for suffering with us. And God, we pray, Lord, that even as that last servant said he buried his gold because he was afraid of his master, and he had this wrong perspective of the master, we pray against that fear right now. That sometimes some of us are only here because we are afraid of where we be without God, and we don't want to anger God, and we don't want to get on God's bad side. But Lord, when you say abide, it's an intimate invitation to trust in you, to experience you, to love you, to receive your love for us. And so, God, we pray right now for a healing inside our hearts and in our minds and in our, the way we see you, spiritual healing in our vision so that when we abide in you, it's not this forced, dictatorial abiding, like this heavy obligation, but it's this loving invitation, Lord, that we get to receive the nourishment for our souls and the blessings 
for our family and friends around us, for the world around us. And so we thank you, Lord God, for this moment. We thank you, God, that you did not choose us. Or sorry, we thank you that we did not choose you, but you chose us. You chose us to be fruitful. And we pray that the fruit that we have, even what little it may be, it's going to be fruit that lasts, that fruit that grows and fruit that multiplies in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people say, amen, amen. Let's give them some praise. I want to um, leave you with this thought. Um, you know, yesterday we had a small group leaders gathering at the main campus. And uh, from downtown campus, we featured uh, one of our small group leaders. And, and he's been, um, he started a new group. And one of the, the guys that were coming before was just more religious why he started to come to group. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so he'd only talk to God at certain times. But then he, as he continued to taste and see what God had in the group and what real abiding looks like, he says this to the group leader. He said, you know, I don't just pray to Jesus uh, when I need to, but I pray to Jesus all throughout the day. And he says this, I never hang up on Jesus anymore. And I love that. Never hang up on Jesus anymore. And that's one of those pictures and what abiding in him looks like. That we don't leave him, you know, on the, on the busy tone or on hold while we're at work. Or maybe at work we know to abide in him because it's so challenging. But then we come home and we treat it like the finish line. And then we just get into the flesh and we stop abiding in Christ with those that are nearest and closest to us. But they too should taste and see that the Lord is good. So continually remain connected on the line with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God.